Hello, friend. Welcome to the Watery Desho podcast. We are so happy to have the pleasure of your company. If this is your first time listening, sit back, relax. We hope you enjoy. If you are coming back because you enjoy our content and you'd like to support us, you can go to our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Desho. We've got all kinds of fun rewards and bonus content like early access, Discord roles, additional audio and video content, all in three budget-friendly tiers. If you're not able to support us financially, no biggie. We totally understand. If you'd like to help us out uh, for free, you can always give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, which helps our discoverability. You can follow us on SoundCloud, on Twitter, at WaterWeDesho. You can always send us an email at WaterWeDesho at gmail.com if you want to correspond with us. We may not get to read every correspondence on the show, but I can promise you that we do read and try to respond to every single one, because we do love our community, which we hope you'll be a part of. Thank you for your kind attention, friend, and without further ado, let's get to the show. Hello, welcome, ladies, gentlemen, and NBs. It's Watery Desho, Stream of Thought, Season 6. What is Shadon doing? That looked a little bit lewd. Keep that to yourself. No. Oh, come on. <laughs> I'm, it's fist pumping. What, what, did you, what did you think I was doing? Uh, you know. Keep keep those football uh, I, I, hooligan cheers away. I'm, I'm, I mean, come on. I've been called a wanker many times in my life. But right. You don't need to make it literal. <laughs> uh, hello, Plombo. Hello, everyone out there. Uh, Indeed. Hello. I'm the subtle doctor. Um, the wonderful chap that you heard a moment ago if you're new to the thing is my buddy my friend um viking at heart and in real life on saturday nights shaden i wasn't pillaging or plundering this saturday just gone i'll tell you that for free i was quite inebriated though uh yeah hopefully no one uh, you know brings up anytime soon on the stream what the hell were you doing with your pants on your head <laughs> That didn't actually happen, by the way. At least not I mean, as far as I remember. And I'm going with plausible diability. Pleading the fifth. No judgment here, my friend. Uh, <laughs> hello, Sophie. Welcome. Um, all right. We're talking about Vinland Saga. And mm-hmm. as such, because this is what I like to do, I've been working on my Viking accent. All right. Last week I came <laughs> in, you told me I was wrong. So I've been working on my Viking accent for real. All right, here we go. This is me as a Yom Viking. Is it Yorm or Yom? Uh, do you want me to put that up as a poll? I can't <laughs> remember. It out. We'll, crowd, we'll crowdsource no! our answer on this <laughs> There's one. a factual answer. Um, anyway, this is me. This is my Viking, all right? Arr, here I be, doing the Viking impression. It's pretty good, eh, matey? You gotta you, you do know, the right. like high sea shenanigans and you know talk about landlubbers and scurvy and that's the Viking speak, right? I've got the vernacular down. Am I right? Can I? 
Can I just say, right, you're like, you know, like whenever you use, say, an image editing program, you get a slider that goes from white black to white. <laughs> I think that between Viking and pirate, you're still a bit too close to pirate. Damn. You might want to just bring the slider a bit to the right. All right. Um, but if Vinland Sire is Arr, able to go by, though, the, your actual Viking. real fault here is that your actual real fault here, Doc, if Vinland Sire is able to go by, is that you don't actually sound Japanese. <laughs> um, isn't that just a pirate? No, what are you talking about? That's not what pirates sound like. At all. Is isn't a pirate no, isn't a pirate more like I'm over here, I'm downloading the wares right now so that I don't have to buy anything. I've downloaded it all to my share. Secret Ladies mega. And gentlemen, that is a <laughs> that is Doc's audition for Revenge of the Nerds Free there. Uh, please feel free to give him a roll. No. Uh, uh, Universal Pixar rolls the rights to that particular franchise. Alright. I'm gonna work and I'm gonna get this Viking accent down, I'm telling you. I'm gonna so that's that's a pirate, and my first one was Australian. Mm. I'll figure this out eventually. But in the meantime, so can we expect can we expect Cockney next week then? <laughs> um, just just perhaps. Guessing, yeah, just <laughs> I never know like what the I I'm really bad about like the dialogue the sorry dialects like I can't I can't pick out apart from like there's like I can pick out the Liverpudlian and I can pick out maybe like the the Geordies. But that's basically it. Like it, the like the London stuff. Like I, I don't know. You could be from anywhere. You could you be. I admittedly shouldn't be judging Doc on any of this here because my ability to do accents is awful. It's completely wretched. Like I'll pretend to be. I'll try to be Irish. I'll be Scottish, and I'll try to be Scottish and I'll be Irish. So I'm not gonna judge here. Right. Those are I can I that one. I mean, uh, my stupid joke aside, where I'm doing bad like i'm doing the wrong impression on purpose the scottish and the irish is one where the slider gets messed up for me also like mm. i'll start on one and veer into the other it's it's bad news and then you got the northern irish which is sort of different um anyway bad geography and <laughs> jokes that don't land aside speaking of things that don't land viking ships Right, they're not in the land. They're in the what? They're in the water, not land. <laughs> they're not. Well, there's a boat. Landing. So I'm so I hope it's oh, a lot. So Finland Saga, episode two. <laughs> episode two. Before we do that, actually, we should probably do a quick bit of housekeeping. Yep. Actually, just a couple of things we should mention. So uh, we're going to get some more serious stuff out of the way first. Um, you might be aware that we're not currently restreaming this to Twitch. Uh, if you don't know why we're not restreaming this Switch, because currently there is a kind of worldwide boycott going on against Amazon Prime uh, and their Prime Day sales, because uh, if you've heard anything about the conditions Amazon warehouse workers in, they are pretty shocking. I mean, when you're getting your time missing, you you know potentially lose your job just because you have the audacity to go and actually go and have a bathroom break. Yeah, that's not ideal working conditions for anyone. I mean, I know Amazon is supposedly good at delivering things on time, but they really are, you know, in the past. I mean... What next? They're going to start hiring people as fucking chimney sweeps here. But you would be right in also observing, wait a minute, we are currently covering Vinland Saga, a show that is airing on Amazon Prime. So here's the thing, right? You're not wrong for pointing that out. We do still want to cover the show, but we are going to do our bit, at least in not restreaming to Twitch. And if you feel that that is insufficient of us, you know that we shouldn't be flat out talking about Vinland Saga at the moment while this is going on, then that's perfectly within your purview to do so. Um... 
but nonetheless, we are of the opinion that you should be supporting Amazon Works by not buying stuff off Amazon today or otherwise using those services if all possible. Um, and the reason we're doing it is more because we want to, you know, celebrate Vinland Saga for how good it is rather than, you know, give any credit or due, to, you know, accolade to Amazon. So we thought we'd just address that just to point out that, yes, probably hypocritical to be doing this, but we are at least going to do something to address that. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I think we both watched the episode anyway for the first time last week. So mm-hmm. I wish I could say that was the only time I watched the episode. I did watch it today before I actually knew about the strike happening. Like, because yeah. like, I, it's just not a thing that's front of mind. I know that for a lot of people, this has been, we've been building up to prime day and the Amazon strike has been a date circled on the calendar. Um, that was not the way it was for me, but Early this morning, I rewatched Finland, and then later in the morning, I find out this was happening. I, I so I wouldn't have rewatched it, and because you know I have had a chance to watch it before now, like I'm sure most people have. But um, but like you say, I mean, we actually, you know, whatever the case, we are still talking about a thing that's airing on Amazon. So yeah, I mean, hypocrites, I guess we'd be. Uh, will not restream to Twitch. Ignore the Twitch link here it's not actually a hyperlink at least so this is just Hmm. making you aware of our twitch channel which you can go to later um but yeah uh stand with the workers uh we totally support that if um you know i have uh some stuff that i've got to purchase from amazon but won't be doing it today or tomorrow gonna be waiting till after this is over and we'd encourage you to do the same to stand in solidarity with those employees and uh fight do your part to sort of help them fight for better working conditions. Yeah. You said it, Doc. Right, so that's the more serious side of things, mm-hmm. way. but let's talk about our podcast very briefly here. Uh, so, you might have noticed we recently started on Patreon, uh, and I just wanted to say, first off, that I am actually kind of legitimately blown away it's by this so program. I thought it was going to be desolate. <laughs> like, from like we've it's only been up for a week and we're already got more than 10 and that is incredible so to everyone who's um subscribed to our patreon so far thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for doing that that really means a lot it means a lot that you have the confidence to actually pay you know us to continue doing our work and see support it to actually you know put finance behind it uh so now it's onus is on us to up our yep. game and deliver on that uh which leads me to my next point uh i am very pleased to report that i have actually finished just earlier today the shield hero script it's done it's nearly 10,000 words long. Holy crap, I had a lot to say on it, and I was very angry throughout most of it, you'll be pleased to hear. There is a, quite a lot of profanity in it. It, If I were doing an actual video recording of it, I'd probably frothing at the mouth through much of it. So I'll be working on recording that this week, uh, and hopefully having it out at the weekend or the early part of next week. Uh, I, if you do want to catch that early as you can... Uh, that's where you'll get it through Patreon via us. So do feel free to subscribe to that to get hold of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe that'll be behind the five dollar tier. Is that correct, Doc? Uh, your no are. Shield Hero will be in the three dollar. So if you're three dollars, they are three dollars. If you want to hear me lose my shit over a terrible <laughs> show, if you're in the five dollar tier, of course you will get it as well. But um, mm. but it's only the three dollar sure. uh tier for uh early access to this Shield Hero uh essay we do want at some point the wider world to be able to know of shadon's hate so at some point in the future it will go public i'm not sure when i we have not talked about it but um be the first to hear it and subscribe and uh all that good stuff there's plenty of great benefits i just want to take this moment to like wag a finger now at listen 
this is probably bad form because you're subscribing to our Patreon, right? You're paying us money, and here I am chastising you. But I just want to take a minute. You out there, you know who you are. <laughs> Have, you know, paid, uh, pledged to pay money to us on the Patreon, and you haven't joined our Discord yet. Yeah, you make if me you sad. <laughs> if, you have, if you have subscribed to us, do feel free to join Discord if you wish. Uh, we're very good to have you all there. Listen, um, no, this is a demand. You have to join. This is a. <laughs> you absolutely no. I kid. Look, we would love to have you there. Is, are, are you going to like go down the street on a Viking longboat and get off and just you know force them? You know, I will show up at your house are, 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 with the fucking helmet on. You're drawing inspiration, aren't you, dog? Totally, <laughs> but uh, totally. but no, but um, uh, I don't know if people just don't know about it or they don't want. I mean, look, there. To be fair, there are a million of these kind of services that are like join our Discord, so people might be a little discorded out. Uh, I would understand, um, but I myself am not really super active in any Discord community. So whenever I am on Discord and I'm trying to be on more frequently, I will be there. Uh, so if you want to talk to me. Uh, Orshadon or Vorg, they're there pretty often as well. Um, Indeed. We we are here. We we take questions about the shows or just talk whatever. Maybe at some point in the future we'll like schedule some patron uh, voice chats or whatever as a reward. We'll figure that stuff out. Um, we will. We will. But for the moment, uh, once again, thank you to everyone who's yeah. subscribed so far. Bless uh, you. You guys you already, uh, take Take a look. Uh, see if it strikes your fancy. Uh, and if you're interested, do feel subscribed for all the that content and more that will be coming up soon. Uh, lastly, is now a good time for us to do the polls from last week before we go into the episode two? Uh, yeah, let's do polls and then let's talk about the director and the summary. Indeed. All right, so Finland Sire, episode one, poll one. Is Canada the place where dreams come true? Because <laughs> they're, uh, they're going to Canada. <laughs> This is actually a pretty, like an almost perfect two uh, two free split here. Uh, we've got oh sorry two one I mean to say mm. uh, we have six seven percent yes Viva Vinland and we have thirty three percent saying nah it's fine but nah nah dreams come true is a little strong <laughs> it's a little strong but I didn't want to make it I'm an... sure there are many Canadians who would disagree with you <laughs> on that. I didn't want to make it a poll about hating Canada or loving it. Because that seems poor taste. So I can't, I can't wait to see our viewing figures for Canadians <laughs> next month. Like you get geographically, and it'll just be a big fat zero. <laughs> Probably. Damn it, Doc. Sorry. Damn it, Doc. I love you every do... person I met from Canada. They're all incredibly charming, and I listen. It's a government that I wish that I was a citizen of right now. As a matter of fact, mm-hmm. well, rather than America. Anyway, well. We'll leave that aside, uh, but let's carry on with the second one. Okay. Um, this one's a very nice outcome for this poll, and you'll know exactly why I'm saying that in a second. Uh, is Leif Erikson a junkie? Sixty-nine uh, percent. Yes. yes. <laughs> Said he's yes. on that pipe twenty-four-seven. Yes. Yes. So we got we literally got the sixty-nine four twenty blaze answer. Well done, folks. You've done us proud here. I'm genuinely impressed. Uh, and then we have, of course, maybe thirty-one percent saying, "Nah, you get any time." It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> He's in total control. Uh, there, there was a great. I wish I could find it, but um, uh, there was a tremendous uh, quote tweet uh, <laughs> by um, uh, Daniel and Lions or Daniels and Lions on Twitter. Uh, I believe is the handle. <laughs> um, 
he quote tweeted the poll and said that next next leaf Erickson day we're gonna have to get some of that good good in honor of our boy <laughs> it made me laugh a lot that's exactly <laughs> what i was going the, for <laughs> re- reviving that thousand year old tradition yes exactly <laughs> yeah that's, that's some good that's some good leaf Erickson. <laughs> shame you know God. this already you 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 all know i love you it. all know that i have poor taste poor jokes poor mannerisms uh you know poor head of hair i could go on anyway uh that's the polls for last week so thank you for everyone who took part there will be more mm-hmm. coming along as we go through episode two uh but for the moment i'm gonna pass the baton back over to doc who's gonna lead us through both the uh, director and the staff and then we're gonna talk about the actual <coughs> plus the episode itself before going on to the usual summary so take it away all right. I, whoop, oh, caught it. All right, there we go. So Nice, nice. Uh, Vinland Saga Episode 2, Sword, uh, Ken. It just, it's called in Japanese. You know, uh, written by, as is every episode so far that's been released, excuse me, has been written by head writer Hiroshi Seko, who we've talked about on this and other, po- uh, so last episode and also other episodes that were about banana fish. Uh, and the Mob Psycho episodes that are in our feed. We've talked about him at length, but the episode direction uh, this time has been done by Yoji Sato. And Yoji Sato's a CV is pretty small. Um, n- not a lot of like really high-profile stuff. He has basically been just an episode director, occasionally doing some storyboarding. By occasionally, I see two storyboard credits and about 15 episode director credits. Um, mm. And it's only one or two episodes, uh, it appears to me, um, on one show that I can't pronounce, he's directed three episodes. But most of the time... for hire, it seems, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Most of the time, like um, his highest profile shows, uh, he did Victorian Romance Emma. The second season of that, he directed episode 10. He's directed uh, a random episode of uh, the third season of Five Brain, uh, Kami no Puzzle, Puzzle God Five Brain. Uh, did an episode of Psychopaths, two episodes of Psychopaths, 15 and 21. Um, I think that's the penultimate episode, 21, if, uh, if I'm not I mistaken. I have seen Psychopaths, but I can't recall. Um, so it's been a while. <laughs> so yeah, that's our episode director. Uh, you know very uh you know been around the block um experience though and yeah yeah but uh not not much else i have to say if anyone you know of course ever has any more insights to these folks uh let us know so yes welcome felix you have just made it um and we are just getting into episode talk everything up to this point has been housekeeping and polls. So here we go with the summary of Sword Episode 2. Um, I have outlined my summary numerically. And the first line I have is simply number one in the word bath. Just bath. <laughs> um, I thought it was going to be one of those like step one, uh, bath. Step two, <laughs> murder everyone. Step three, question, question. Step four, profit. Right, that would be accurate. Um, yeah, I think never, never bathe on a set schedule. 
I feel like is the <laughs> lesson from this. Just bathe at random. This this was a uh, Vinland Saga's playing with the boys scene, basically. <laughs> at least up until the All Star Game murdered. Oh man, it was. Uh, yeah, uh, the English showed up, and the Yom slash Yorm Vikings. I can't remember if it's Yom or Yorm. Uh, were doing community bathing like they always do on Saturdays, and some spearmen showed up, impaled the men. Uh, horse riders came into the village, set it on fire. They were meant to not leave anyone alive. This is very cheery to talk about. Um, and yeah, these mm-hmm. are Englishmen doing this. Uh, and cut from there to, uh, I think, the kids playing war. Um, Before we go any further, I have to say, I take significant umbrage with this depiction of my people. And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you <laughs> why this makes, me so, this makes me so angry seeing mm-hmm. the English depicts this way. Because it assumes that any Englishman would ever get up early on a Saturday morning. No. <laughs> That's not even remotely true. I love that that Load is the of thing that you... <laughs> Bullshit. Absolute yes. bullshit. <laughs> That's the inaccuracy. Um, they're always shafting people without consent. <laughs> it's true. Uh, it's, a, it's a no-no everywhere, but especially in the path. Um, so uh, it turns out that uh, Leaf is leafing. Mr. Erickson is leafing the village. <laughs> oh! Uh, to go trade... Uh, furs for wine he needs wine uh for he and his catholic friends presumably to celebrate a christian holiday well in the interest of making bad puns i don't know why he needs to go anywhere because forfin has plenty of wine already (laughs) (laughs) yes it's so true um so during this scene we've got um you know thorfinn uh mad that he can't go with leaf to go trading, make some funny faces, and then uh, we see Leaf get this sort of interesting look in his eye and do the whole like movie thing, you know, where he's like slowly puts the phone down. <laughs> I'm sorry, but when you said that, you made me think of Bad Boys when Martin <laughs> Lawrence just goes, "This shit just got real." <laughs> Where he, like, there's something incredibly urgent that needs to be communicated, but it's communicated entirely too casually. Like, Thorfinn, go tell your dad a warship is coming. What? There's a warship coming. Thorfinn looks out. Oh my god! You know, there's this urgent thing, and he runs to get his dad. And we have the Thor's, uh, the Thor's comedy hour taking place over in the welding shop. He's trying to make uh, a metal bowl. I guess, mm-hmm. um, and uh, he has ap- apparently been applying too much strength to the process, and it has a hole in it. He's like, "Oh, mm, bowl is good. We, it's good, master. We try it." And they're like, "Give it a try." And of course, it's leaking. I think Bryce Falls was also a cave man. Here we go. <laughs> yeah, mm, bowl round has hole. Let's just start doing this. <laughs> so. That's happening. Thorfinn comes up and says, Dad, 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 worship. Uh, so Thor's uh, is alerted to the idea. But before he can get there, we cut back to the shore and we see the Illuminati 
uh, warriors with the fucking eyeballs <laughs> on their axes. Either that or they're CBS employees. Uh, I don't oh, know which. <laughs> but the Illuminaxi are there. <laughs> and uh, they are... Jesus mm-hmm. Christ. I did that. It was bad. I'm suffering right now inside because of it. Uh, they and their leader, Floki, again, first Viking DJ, Floki. Um, when I hear the name, like, I always, like, in my brain, cut to, like, are you familiar with Underworld's Born Slippy? Uh, like, drive boy, dog boy, dirty num angel boy. Oh, the, yes, from the yes, uh, train course, spotting. Of course, <laughs> the techno course classic. Course, yes. Yeah. Uh, that always <laughs> just cut to, like, a record scratch. And then that, I think in the Fat Boy Slim remix, there is, like, a, some record scratching. Richard. Richard? Richard. Record? Richard. Record? Record scratching. Uh, <laughs> I hope you're not scratching no Richard. No, thank you, Doug. <laughs> um, so, Sorry. <clears throat> so, right. Uh, they say, uh, Floki and others are like, yo, we, the Yorms Vikings, are here. Yorms Vikings, Yorms Vikings, are here because we want uh, Thor's the Troll. Uh, <laughs> I I'm so sorry, but I laughed my ass off this because I thought, what has, has Thor's been doxxed? Is that why they've turned up? Has he been shit posting on Reddit again? <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Is um, that why they found it? Mm-hmm. Yep, we traced your IP. We had we had your ISP. Give us your IP, and here we are. <laughs> Can I also just stop say as well? torrenting? <laughs> Can I also just say as well that because again my headcanon is awful, I thought that's like the second time in two episodes they've had someone arrive by boat and start to like ominously threaten them. So, you know, day three or episode three, we're just gonna end up with the D Day landings happening. No. No, yeah, I know. It is and you know what well, you that's really interesting that you actually brought that up because I mean we all well, I say we all. Uh Japanese history was forever changed when Commodore Perry I can't remember his first name it's not Matthew that's what I always think of when I think of Commodore oh, Perry it's oh, not good, Commodore good. Matthew Perry but uh, <laughs> uh, Commodore Perry uh, showed up with the, the iron ships uh, on the harbor of Japan and demanded uh, to you know trade with them and at that point Japan had only seen like wooden ships and seeing these like black death gods spewing smoke run by steam engines like approach their harbors and show up on harbors that are only made for like their shogun uh show up and it's one of the things that precipitated ultimately like the fall of the shogunate and the meiji revolution but that's like one of those um you know a lot of times we think about like world war ii and the dropping of the nukes in a modern sense like things that are really etched into the japanese mind uh japanese like social consciousness uh in, in recent history but also the landing of those ships is another big one and so the fact that they're depicting that here like it's not like um necessarily i mean it is pretty freaking ominous right i mean it's um it's not something i guess they haven't seen before but it kind of is even though they <clears throat> they have like their own warship frozen away it's like oh my god like here's this warship that's actually working and these dudes with axes and they're just showing up and like and it changes the course of history for this little village yeah. forever 
I mean, it's a warship showing up. It's not like having an Uber driver arrive outside your door. You know, usually they're there for a pretty serious reason, and indeed that is true, as we find out shortly once Floki actually sits down and talks to Fors. So Sophie says <clears throat> restoration and not revolution. I've heard it called both, but yeah, no, it is like restoration is probably the better word because full power was restored to the emperor, and that was that was the main kind of idea behind the revolution is people uh rather like they saw the shogun as like ah oh, like the shogun's being i'm simplifying a lot here but oh the shogun is is you know being too soft with the foreigners and letting them in and there's all this foreign influence and so much trading but like you have like satsuma and choshu those the daimyo from there were like love the emperor kill the foreigner or expel the foreigner um and so the revolution was uh restoring the emperor restoring political power to uh the emperor but that was very much a name only thing there were still some like other people around the emperor that were like really ruling but just the the shogun didn't have uh all the the political power that he had previously held anyway this is not about fucking late 19th century japan <laughs> or mid 19th century japan Vinland Saga. Here we go. The rest of the business. Um, so it turns out from his CVS employee, Floki, we hear that his leader, Les Moonves, no, it's uh, <laughs> Sigvaldi, uh, I think as he's called, he wants, I'm not sure if he's like a king or just the, the head naval officer or what, but they are because the english have taken out uh this settlement or contingent of viking people that we saw at the beginning and maybe this is happening a lot and we just see one instance of it um the leader of the vikings is like we need to like recruit more into the army we need to get more troops yeah hey well um the specific reason actually is also mentioned here that um one like the king the sister of the queen was at that village and was murdered oh um yes mm. uh so that's all the uh incentive or reason they need now to uh you know decide right well uh england uh prepare to bend over and prepare to receive <laughs> some viking justice <laughs> right and uh you know sigvaldi is saying look uh even people like this fucker Thor the Troll who deserted us 15 years ago, you have the privilege of re-entering the the art the navy honorably, um, because it's established this episode they hate deserters they don't forgive them it's bad, but uh, so we have Floki saying look you can come back in uh, despite the fact that you've deserted. Uh, yeah. but insert, insert your own commentary here, by the way, about someone named Floki uh, tempting Fours into, you know, doing something that he doesn't really want to do. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, is uh, yeah. Will he fire some kind of arrow that sets off Ragnarok? I wonder. Um, oh god. So like, oh, but that's that's a that's an apt comparison, right? I mean, these these are the that's. It's low-hanging fruit. <laughs> it's here to be made. Uh, this allusion to the Norse gods. Um, and, and, you know, I painted it a minute ago as, like, they're offering 
Thor's the chance to come back in and they're saying this is your a choice that you can do. Really, there's very much not. This is an implicit threat, right? I mean, we have the three boys, including Thorfinn, watching this conversation through the door. They get scared away. Mm-hmm. And uh, then you have Floki saying, like, hmm, this is a nice village. You can tell by the children. They've never had a taste mm. of war in their lives. Until today. And, like, you can see Thor going, Thor's saying, well, yeah, okay, I read you. Gears are, grind- yep, gears are grinding in his head. He, he, he knows where this leads. He's not an idiot. Um, especially given we later see uh, that sold the soldiers from the Viking longboat are actually now mooched, marching through the village, taking up position. Oh. Now, what do you reckon they might do if otherwise order? I mean, they're not, you know, gathering around just because they're positioning themselves like they're starting to LARP or anything like that. <laughs> you know. <laughs> oh, God. Choke it on my diet coke. <laughs> Be putting the dye in it. Oh yeah, putting the dye in diet coke. Oh, thinking about them larping is hilarious. Yes, that's. Oh, kid, we're not really Vikings. Just, just act scared of me. This is a big, this is a role play. You can come next week. I'll give you the address. <laughs> Like, the look of madness in that one dude's eyes was pretty freaky. Like, Mm -hmm. just whenever the anime, like, cuts and also quickly pans up and you see, like, a face of a guy with, like, really tiny pupils, you fucking know. You fucking know, right? So, that was, uh, that was scary. But the kids are very much, like, ecstatic, right? about oh, we're going to war fuck yes like the romance of war mm-hmm. is alive and well in this village who's of course never seen it um i'm obliged to insert here the comment that if uh if you watch this episode i can't remember if i said this last week i don't think i did but if you watch this episode and you you like this this setup of well here we have uh, a group of kids that has kind of been taught that war is this romantic thing they play war all the time they only think of it as uh, a way to become like to to earn valor and glory and uh, prestige and, and it's this great thing it's a very romantic notion and not the like cruel dehumanizing you know destructive force that we all know it to be um there is an anime if you want all of that but set in the future uh gundam 0080 war in the pocket i can give a hard recommend for this is written by uh the same person that wrote um uh wings of oniamis um Ooh. so Ooh. Ooh. yeah um, either written or directed even, by the I've, same person. I, I haven't but, even seen that. But on the basis of that alone, I can also give you a hard recommend on that because Wings on Mice was, barring a certain two minutes, mm-hmm. three minutes scene, absolutely magnificent from start to finish. But it's very much that as the main character is Alfred, and he starts the anime like in a class of kids. It's like, oh, war, war is so cool. It's the greatest thing, and 
because war is erupting in space uh i think it's um just started because i believe well anyway it doesn't matter and and you don't have clearly to... never listened to any edwin star unfortunately <laughs> you don't you don't have to have a knowledge of really anything about mobile suit gundam honestly i mean it helps if you know like okay there's this these Xeon people from space and they want independence and they're fighting against the earth federation that's really all you need to know to go into it mm-hmm. and enjoy it. I would totally recommend that. And that's what this episode reminded me a lot of, actually. Um, and this is uh, a great show, that one of my favorite Gundam things, 0080. Um, okay, so, yeah, the kids think that this is this amazing thing, and uh, the Floki gets on his ship and announces, hey, like, this is what's going to happen, yo. Uh Tours uh, is gonna go to war, and you all can go with him if you can cut it. You can go on a ship. Our people want him to have one ship. Um, do the celebration dance because that's wartime, fools. Uh, yeah. And fours, I will. I will meet you on the battlefield. He says, which, uh, in light of what happens later in this episode, is probably a more ominous line than you would think. Right. Oh God. Yes, Floki. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't doesn't say what side he's going to be on on that battlefield. No, it's true. It's it's so it's so right about that. Um, there's this incredible scene <clears throat> where, uh, and again, God, it so reminded me of War in the Pocket. But uh, when when he announced this, and the crowd kind of sits there for just a moment, absorbing it, and then someone's like, "We're going to war, motherfucker." And then everyone's like, woo! And then you see Thor's like looking down and walking off dejected. The only person doing that, like, so good. I love that scene. Love it. Um, tremendous. Um, and you got to know Thorfinn is probably watching and he's very confused, right? Um, because, on one hand, he and his buddies have been playing war and war has been this great thing. His dad has a war chest he suddenly found, and he's going to go off to war. Dad, isn't this great? Oh, you look like you're the most depressed yeah. you've ever been in your <clears> life. <throat> but shit. I mean, <clears throat> sorry, getting so chesty here. But um, one thing to note as well is that it seems from Thorfinn's reaction that he didn't know about his father's heroic heritage, like the things he had done, like the title he had being the troll which by the way not referring of course to you know him having frequented reddit or 4chan but rather instead showing like a kind of brute strength like a mythological creature a force of nature even <clears throat> yeah zoe zoe god damn it sophie what is the matter with me i should quit right now i am an old person already at 35 the my i I passed my prime. I peaked years ago. Sophie. <laughs> Sophie. Just, just to respond to Sophie's comments as an actual British person, I will say that given how long the average manga does run on for with no end in sight, that's probably more accurate than you realize. <laughs> Zexit is a fantastic... That is a fantastic joke. I, I'm so happy that these worlds have collided to create this joke. Uh, all right. Pressing on. So, um... Before we get to the war chest, something we need okay. to mention as well is that um, early in the episode, the kids were even actually doing play fighting early on, which Thorfinn got 
killed, quote-unquote, quite early. Mm -hmm. Um, But he was obeying the rules of the game, as it were. Uh, However, after the, you know, arrival of Floki and then his subsequent departure and everyone being psyched up for war, the kids get engaged in another play fight again. But this time, Thorfinn, like, even when he is killed, quote-unquote, he gets back up and beats the shit out of everyone. Yes, he does. (laughs) Uh, This will be important later for something I'm going to talk about. It's worth knowing that this happens even before he goes to the chest. Like, He's got like his wooden shield and his wooden sword, but for him, the playtime is over. It's time to, you know, get real, get serious, which coming from a six-year-old is, I can see exactly why he's that. I mean, he's an impressionable six-year-old kid, as I said last time, but, uh, well, yeah, good luck with that, Thorfinn. There are a couple of issues here. Okay. One particularly vertical issue, mainly. Right, right. Just... Um, we we have uh, Thor's before before that whole scene you're talking about. Um, he's talking, I think, with Leif uh, and his wife Helga's there, and he's saying uh, this is an important scene to me that uh, he believes it's time he took responsibility, right? For and he doesn't say this outright, but for deserting, uh, he feels guilty for it. Uh, Mainly, I think, feeling guilty for dragging the villagers into mm-hmm. this whole ordeal. And I will talk about that uh, when we get to our discussion section. Then we re- reach the scene where, yeah, Thorfinn breaks a kid's arm. Um, he's feeling very restless. He's feeling a lot of conflicting emotions because uh, his dad... I mean, just so many reasons. This is what I want to talk about also and, and ask you about, like, why... He's wigged out and feeling the ways he's feeling. Um, he finds a dagger in the weapons cache inside the the unlocked weapons uh, uh, chest. Um, nah, Thorfinn's, Thorfinn's been working on his lockpicking skill. He ranks a hundred <laughs> on it. You know, he's properly assigned his talent tree. I've I've come. I will say, by the way. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry, go on. No, I was just gonna say I've I've come to. Um, I, I've been told there have been some similar instances in media i've been watching lately where i've been thinking why is this drawer door cabinet or whatever unlocked and uh it's very much uh you know the japanese respect personal space to such a degree that shame is uh meant to be a deep deeply ingrained inhibitor for you uh opening someone's door without their permission or going through their stuff so that's i think probably at least partially explains why there's no lock on this chest full of um, incredibly deadly weapons. <laughs> I, by the way, yeah, Thorfinn pulls out a dagger, uh, which presumably is going to be one of the ones he will use when he's older, as evidenced by the OP. What I appreciate that by though, and yeah, I know these are Viking ruins or Nordic ruins, but it just looked like, you know, it had two arrows, like, like this way up. You know, you stab him with this, I know, in this I know. direction. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Um, so... He finds this dagger in particular, and he pulls it out slowly of the sheath, and it's glowing. It's got this glint, and, uh, you know, Thor, Finn, it's like, wow, this is beautiful. And Thor, of course, grabs it, and uh, his hand starts bleeding. And, you know, people might wonder, like, oh, that seems a little overly dramatic, right? Why? What's the need to do that? Why don't you just take it from him or ask him to give it to you? Um it's my own opinion that he wanted to associate 
the symbol, right, with the dagger. He didn't just want Thorfinn seeing this beautiful thing of war and then having to put the beauty away. He wanted to be like, look, you bleed. This makes people bleed. I When you think about this dagger, I want you to think about bleeding and how easily it cuts and how fragile human skin and flesh is when it comes to these things. Um, and he says, like, a sword is a tool for killing. Who are you planning to kill? Uh, and this is amazing scene, I think. I uh, love this bit. This was so magnificent. Because it was such a perfect demolition of this whole, like, you know, militaristic fetishism that you find not just in that time, but in even modern day. Yes. Given how pe- e- eager people are seemingly to go, well, like, oh, we want to go off to fight the enemy. The enemy. Uh, and who is your enemy? Uh, Thor asks his son, and his son doesn't really have an answer, but he throws out the first shithead he can think of. Hafodansa. Uh, mm-hmm. And Thor's, you know, hands on shoulders. He's like, look, son. You don't have any enemies. Nobody has any enemies. And this is a really profound thing to tell a six-year-old in in that kind of culture who's in this situation. Mm -hmm. And so he shoot understandably, Thorfinn shoots back at Thor. It's like, what are you talking about? You're going to war tomorrow. You're going to go fight the enemy. Yeah. What do you mean? Oh, sorry, why do you get to go and I don't? Yeah. What gives you the right to do what I can't? What, what's mm-hmm. what, why do you get to tell me what to do? Like you're you're babying me. I know you're you're just trying to baby me and protect me and lie to me because I'm a little kid. And Thor, Thor's can't say anything because like his hypocrisy has been pointed out, and he, you know, he's been called out for it, and it's true. I mean he could go into this explanation i'm doing it to save the village and da, da, da. but you know he's a quiet guy uh and uh, i don't even think Thorfinn would have believed him it, then to be that too honest. yeah what would be the point uh in some ways um so uh at that point um you know once once thorfinn's asleep uh thor's uh meets the rising sun he and leaf and they say, you know, it's a good, it's a good day to die. No, it's, just, it's beautiful. Odin has blessed the day. This is a, a good day to set off sailing. And then we cut to the Faroe Islands, uh, on which you know we see uh, another group of men who are not the Illuminaxi. Uh, it is mm. um, <laughs> Askeladd's forces, being uh, basically just uh, a gang of children almost like just brutalizing this uh christian uh priest he's his target practice for axe throwing like and he said and he and what the guy says a line which i just found incredible which was if you dodge i'll kill you and i'm like so if he doesn't dodge he dies so you'll die or you'll die yeah yeah what do you, do you want do you want to try that by, by me again you know point dexter uh, why don't you just kill him? Like you know, this this is a, the worst choose your own adventure novel ever. What choose? What choice do you want? Death or death? Neither uh, of those. Other? No, <laughs> no, neither. If I if I could, yes. please. It's like when. <laughs> no, no, I won't do it. I won't go down the rabbit hole. Stop it. Stop. Avoid that. Talking about Avoid that. the Sonic the Hedgehog 2006 fan dub by Snapcube. Don't talk no, about it. No, no, no. Um, just, just. Let's pretend yes. you didn't say that. Yep, pushing us. So, 
uh, Floki peeking through the curtain at this brutality and a dude's puking into a barrel and shit um, and say, well, Askeladd, your men have no class. And, uh, you know, I think one of them actually walks up to the the contrasting, like, regimented, uniformed line of Floki's men just standing there looking forward. They're, you know, the idea is, like, they are disciplined. These other assholes are not. Uh, and Askeladd says, no, we're just bored, and we also hate Christians. So what do you want? And the episode ends with Floki saying... Uh, I'll pay you such and such if you kill Thor's. Cut to credits. That's the episode. Floki, a character named Floki working to assassinate a character named Thor's. Yeah. I see no parallels to, you know, ancient <laughs> myth or anything like that. None whatsoever. Uh, when, does, when does Baldur show up? That's what I want to know. Well, God, this will be the first time I'll have watched the Japanese anime where Hing Horny will actually have some actual fucking relevance <laughs> to the thing we're watching. Oh my god. That's right. Rather, rather just, Franks did the, the fucking yeah. references. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, sweet Jesus. Being there to show how good your Wikipedia foo is. <laughs> <laughs> That's all what yeah. That's that is what it is. Uh, mm-hmm. okay, so we're gonna get to the discussion. Um Shadon's gonna kick it off here um after I take right. a momentary break. So we'll be right back. BRB. Okay, we're back. Um Hello, everyone. Thanks for sticking with us. So, let's get into the talking points, Mr. Shaden. With pleasure. So, uh, first thing I want to bring up, let's talk about how you use uh, <clears throat> how you use framing and the rare occasion where it's actually a genuinely good idea to tell rather than show. So, go back to the beginning of the episode and the uh, ambush um, of the Viking encampment by the Englishmen. Uh, and, of course, the death of the sister of the queen. Here's the thing, right? When we see that f- happen, we don't know the names of a single goddamn person in that village. We don't even see the actual acts happen of this particular VIP being killed. This is all told to us secondhand through Floki. And this is the thing, right? You might think to yourself, well, this is bad storytelling because we're not being shown it, we're being told it. But that's the point. Mm. Floki's telling it to us, and it just shows how pathetic a reason it is, you know, to go to war for. Because it's not important enough for the show to, Mm. for the the show that is the anime, to show us the actual death of this supposedly important person, or even show what they look like. And that reflects Thor's own thinking. He's not seen it firsthand. He doesn't know who this person is, but he's been asked to abandon everything he's ever worked for over the past 15 years to get on that boat and go killing people just for the fun of it. Indeed, Floki himself says that it's an excuse for war. But that's the thing. The, the disinterest the show has in giving us this level of detail that we'd normally expect otherwise about this particular person and all the other people at that camp is not an accident and it's not a a flaw as it would be in other stories it's a deliberate way of aligning the audience's perception of this whole thing with Farsis which is I don't have two fucking clues who those people are but I'm being called up to fight anyway and that's what I'm going to have to do for all that these randoms (laughs) that's again good editing, good framing good storyboarding 
for that purpose. So I really appreciate that. And I'll mention now, because I'm going to set this up for later, but that scene also serves a second purpose in showing war for what it is, which is skullduggery, honorless, tactless, messy. Like, there's no, like, you know, people meeting in the battlefield, like, you know, two armies coming down the side, straight towards each other, glorious one-on-one -on -one combat. The noble, this is, like, pursuit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they murdered half of those Vikings while they were butt-fucking naked. Right. So just bear that in mind when you see the later scenes of what the kids and the older uh, men think of what war is like. This is the opening scene of the show, and it very much shows war for what it is. Wasteful, mm -hmm. and, you know, without, you know, rules or conducts or anything like that. It's just wholesale slaughter so yeah. for an opening scene to the second episode of a series like this delivering this anti-war message as it does this was astoundingly effective and that's effectiveness through you know efficiency and through being limited in what it tells us rather than hitting it on the head with a giant fucking hammer as it otherwise might do so i really appreciate that yeah uh 100 percent uh i think like if if you had any like doubts about whether or not this was going to be an anti-war anime uh yeah this this episode really like brings that home um you know the first one was anti anti-slavery you know anti mm -hmm. uh taking away like the the freedom the in a more existential sense um of 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 people um and this one is anti-war and a thing that i uh enjoyed about the first scene i actually didn't think about what you said and that is awesome i, I really really love that point the thing that um that my mind gravitated to was when the the blood is shown in the water it's mm -hmm. kind of flowing to uh i think one of the last scenes is it's kind of flowing toward a fish Yep. And the fish sort of sees it, w sees what it is, and then goes away. And I think, like, what this is saying is that this kind of thing is not natural. And this is yes. what this is what Thor's tries to impart to his child at the end of the episode. We, we don't have any natural enemies. No one does. Like, this whole business is artificial, and it's what people do who want power and who want uh, land and authority over other people. Uh, and, you know, uh, there's an amazing contrast with that opening scene, you know, the fish fleeing from the blood of the field of combat. And then it cuts to the snowy field where the boys are playing war, you know, mm -hmm. You might someone might say, "Oh, war is not natural." Like, what are you talking about? You have kids doing it, but like here they are learning this behavior, and it it recontextualizes. You know, if you watch this episode again, seeing the kids play a war uh, kind of feels pretty grim. You know, because this is where the older ones get their idea of war being this romantic enterprise. Um, yeah, you're entirely right. Mm -hmm. I mean. Ben, you said about nature then. Uh, just put that in the back of your mind for a minute, folks, because uh, it's another talking point I'm going to address in a minute, specifically about that as a concept. But yes, you're absolutely right. Um, the fish indeed reeling back from that is a sign, you know, that it 
this is not natural. It's just, it's a thing that we essentially created for shits and giggles. I mean, the juvenile attitude that the children have towards war in this episode is no different than the juvenile attitude the adults have among Askeladd's uh, mm. group later on. You're so right. We are, es- yep. yeah, they are essentially the same. Uh, but again, I'll put pin because I'm going to talk about their relation to Floki's men as well. Yeah, the, that was, and that was all I had for that point was the the contrast between war and nature. You know, because there there are schools of thought that that think like, um, and they're they're certainly not fashionable these days but just that like like war right it's the most natural thing you could do because it's like where man discovers himself and is most alive is on the battlefield there's a very gundam wing bullshit right about like here's where we are like achieving our highest heights as a as a civilization and oh solid snake it's (laughs) it's important it's important to have these times where like you know people can find glory and uh yeah, the the high heights of man can be mankind, person kind, humankind can be like reached. Da 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 da. da all this bullshit, this horseshit from like upper classes to justify war that they themselves are often not involved in. Um, but yeah, this episode is very much no, no, no to that. Hmm. We haven't even got to the war yet, which is especially strong uh, and this and in the show's favor. Okay. Uh, do you have a point to? I think it's you next up. If we're playing, well, no, that I, that was me. The that was, the, the that nature was, versus okay. war was me. So I'm, I will I will toss okay. it back to you. All right. So let's talk about one of my favorite things to discuss in fiction because I find it a fascinating topic. Okay. Nature versus nurture. This is where the, the nature bit comes in. So, firstly, for you know establishing my own philosophical viewpoint on this, uh, nurture wins, but nature doesn't you know have an influence. And here's the thing, right? <clears throat> Let's look at Force for a moment. He has tried desperately for 15 years, and done a pretty good job until this point, of you know avoiding battle and conflicts. But the thing is, as, as like a figurehead in the village, like had he not tried to stop the kids from practicing war and having this, you know, attitude towards it, this, you know, romanticized view of it being a truly glorious thing. Bear in mind, after all, that he later argues with Thorfinn about this, and Thorfinn still rejects his approach. And then consider other elements that the episode presents to us. Like you said about Thor's, for example, you know, hammering out that iron pot and trying to sort the leak out. But he can't do it because he puts mm. too much strength into it. And as much as this scene is also oh, existing, you know, for the chief... Oh, man. It's not just for fucking... Like, God, like you're... Oh, you've, mm. you've got my, my brain turning and working. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. please continue. So... So it's not that scene is not just you know for the fan service for the uh, you know the heterosexual female audience or the gay or you know again you get my point it's not just that it's not just for the cheesecake mm-hmm. but that's the thing right you know you see the scars all over Thor's body that they're the reminders of him as origins as a warrior and he can't do the hammering you know fixing the leak in the pot and that mean and then what does that mean for Thorfinn like Thorfinn rejects his notion outright uh, you know that. There are no enemies. He says you're a liar. He calls him a hypocrite, which you are correct on insofar as, you know, that how do you explain I'm doing this that way you aren't slaughtered at the dawn by these Vikings? Um, well, that then begs the question, is Thorfinn similarly fated, you know, to be caught in war and consumed by it as his father was and chewed up and mm-hmm. spat back out? Um, that's like... I think that's the thing it's trying to explore here. Like, as much as uh, Thor's, like, you know, is trying to fight against the nature of who he is and who his people are, 
they keep getting sucked back into it. They keep getting dragged back into war, be it like, you know, just romanticized depictions of it, uh, you know, play fighting, or, you know, all the time that's spent in the episode showing all the older adults who will go with him, like, you know, gathering up their goods and like, I've got my, you know, ceremonial family armor on. Yeah. It's got plus 10 to defense, plus 4 <laughs> to strength, and pokes a heal yeah. and I get hit. Now, that, that would be if Vinland Saga was a bad show. <clears throat> anyway. Look at Zax. It could, it could cut off a horse's head in one stroke. Exactly. Exactly. So, I think that that's what the show is trying to express here, and I think that's going to come into play later when Thorfinn grows up, because of course, you know, it's like I said in the previous episode about how Thor's is kind of like the slave who we met, who mm. he couldn't escape his past. Like, that's why we have these parallels now of people coming by boat. Half Dan came for the slave, Floki comes for Thor's. Can he truly mm. escape his past? Can he truly break out from war and stop it from consuming him and the next generation? It's generational, this. So I think the show is starting to dabble in this nature-nurture thing, and it is very clear showing that, you know, Fawz is trying his damnedest to, you know, break out from that and not let it consume the next generation. But it's happening anyway, despite what he tries to do. Thorfinn's got his own ideas, um, and the kids in, you know, the village and the elder adults, like, they're, you know, they've got their own plans to go to war anyway. All his efforts are fruitless. So the show is asking, can you truly have the will to break away from war and conflict, even if it's embedded in your very DNA, like is it part of your person or your soul, and something that you might pass down to the next generation without even realizing it? Yeah, I mean, I asked in in chat, like, you know, how culpable is is Thor's, um, because he is he very much doesn't seem to discourage at all the playing of war, right? And Leaf is also like, you know, ho oh, ho ho, Thor's, <laughs> uh, sorry, Thorfinn, did you get killed again? Ah, oh, that's rough. Um, yeah. And they're like fine with the the totally fine with this kids game, and it would remain a kids yeah. game, in, except. In fact, Thor's himself says as much. I think, like you know, there is a game, like you know, so he distinguishes between the point in which you know it becomes fictionalized to which becomes reality. But is that a strong enough distinction? Is he, you know? letting them get away with it so to speak because it's clearly got into their heads um, but then again he's coming from the position of you know someone who was a hero who has that title so everyone would seem as kind of a hypocrite in that case you know you did glorious things you became the troll <laughs> so troll. well yeah you became the troll in the you know the great reddit war of 2019 <laughs> no, sorry, wrong, right. thing, wrong thing wrong thing but that's it like you know who is for this moment like in fact, Ari actually asks that when they're listening on the conversation with Floki. Who is Fawz? And that seems like the central question of this actual entire episode. Is he the warrior? Is he the father? Is he the blacksmith's apprentice? Is he the peacemaker? You can um, say. Yeah. No, it's a great question. And, he, you know, I think he... He himself, he has some some deep conviction and deep feelings about that, but it's like you were saying, you know, is is that enough to 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 keep it out of his life and his children's lives and uh, and his village's life? You know, obviously not, right? I mean, um, you know, Plombo is asking, like, is there anyone else that's anti-war? Um, 
in village. I mean, and, and Hel Helga for sure. I mean, I think she knows, but uh, it seems it seems clear to me at least, and maybe I'm off on this, that um, neither she nor any of the other women in the village are going to have any kind of influence over the prevailing attitudes. Um, she just very much seems like the the kind of woman, whether that's this is by the society's kind of design or her own personality. She's just like I like I am with Thor's and I'm behind him, and that's kind of you know I take care of my family and that's kind of it. So yeah, but she's yeah I think she would coming from Thor's old life, um, which I think she did, because I think he sees her in the weird vision that he has while he's still fighting uh on the ship so i'm sure i'm pretty sure she's from his old life but i could be wrong about that um i believe that's something that gets more we get more info about in episode three but we'll save that when we discuss it yeah so um it's, yeah it's just showing that i haven't fully finished episode three <laughs> i've only watched part way through it um and yeah how how culpable is thor this is a great question to me um I I love that you brought up the point of um, the parallels between the ship landings of Halfdan and Floki. Um, because to me, that like that highlights an aspect of the show that, that I really like, even though it, it doesn't even seem like always the most fair thing. Um, it's this depiction this really ominous depiction of consequences. Like, mm. this world is a world of consequences. Um, Even 15 years down the line as well, no less. It's going to cover... So, it's it's my kind of my favorite thing in some ways about uh, the No Country for Old Men novel. Um, I've not seen the movie, but I've read the book. The book is tremendous. And the, you know, the antagonist in that, to me, that's just the... He, he's my reading of him is he is the consequences he is coming for the man that took the money uh no matter what and so yeah and you have and, and it doesn't always seem right because like you you could definitely easily argue that thor's leaving the navy was this good thing um you know he's not going to be killing people anymore which is a big a plus plus uh would buy <laughs> again 100 percent rating thumbs up that's admittedly quite low bass clear. I know. Good on him. Uh, <laughs> and he helps make these other people's lives better in the the village. You know, he raises his son in a much more caring environment. Um, you know, you would think that these will be very good things, um, but we don't really know anything about his original choice to join, or I, I don't know. We don't know about how he joined the navy. If he joined, if he was conscripted, we think he was conscripted. But either way, he took part in all this killing and tried to leave it behind. But the consequences of that are catching up to him now. And, yep. you know, man, like, I I just really, really like that. I don't really have anything more to say about it, except that I I like that about this world that they have made, that it is one of, of consequences um mm -hmm. yeah it makes me in a way just 
I don't know, like a lot of so, scope. So, yeah, there's the scope, and then there's and it, it makes me feel like maybe that there won't be loose ends that bother me, <laughs> like characters <laughs> not things not coming back around to pay off or characters having to pay for things. You know what I mean? Like I worry about that in fiction, but mm. it seems that consequences are a big deal in this world. Indeed. Uh, do you have another uh, talking point, Doc? Um, maybe, but why don't you go ahead? All right. I have one more that I'm going to talk about. Okay. Uh, and this is, again, I'm going to be comparing Half Dan's group who arrived in the previous episode to Floki's group arriving in this one. So, we already discussed at length in the previous episode how Half Dan's group were still a bunch of thugs despite operating under the veneer of, you know, respect of the law and the rule of order and all that. The things that he was preaching about. And then we get, you know, the Illuminaxi, as you say. The Illuminaxi. Um, and they, of course, visually are... They're disciplined, they're organised, they're militarised. Um, they don't, you know... Uh, kick off with any of the uh, villagers on the shore as they do in the previous as Half Dan's group do in the previous episode uh, so we see you know paradoxically believe it or not a group of it, a group of soldiers who are more aligned with Half Dan's ideals than his own men mm-hmm. would you believe it or not but here's the thing though we recognise them as the audience as villains as antagonists because we see them being lined up you know, to massacre the village if Fors declines, which is, an, as far as I can tell, the reason he ultimately accedes to Floki's request. And this is the point that I'm going to make here, which is that it doesn't matter what, you know, veneer of respectability you come under, be it that you come under, you know, the leader, a leader who, you know, eschews the, like, you know, the virtue of order and the virtue of law, or if you come under a military commander like Floki and that you have the accruciments, like the helmets, the symbol, it, symbols you know the the military elements to it you know it doesn't matter as far as Vinland Saris said what way you present yourself if you're operating under an end to you know ultimately intimidate uh, and cross you know moral ethical lines and treat people badly to the point where you will threaten someone to go to war a pointless you know pissing contest of a war if I'm being quite blunt <laughs> um it doesn't matter. Like it doesn't matter how you dress yourself, how you present yourself. In the end of the day, the thing that determines if you are, you know, evil to use a weak kind of weak term, but the one I've got handy at the moment right. is your ultimate actions and your ultimate intent. Mm. Dress yourself however you want. It's your actions that speak louder than that. And both Half Dan and Floki have proven to themselves to us thus far that they don't mean well for anyone, not un- apart from themselves. But even though they come in very different stripes and operate a little differently. So I really appreciate that as well. That again, we've mm-hmm. got comparison points, not just in terms of what it means for, you know, Fars, but also it just means in general about how you operate as a person. That helmets are no, fuggery are no, chains are no. Like, you know, the end result is what counts for determining your moral, you know, standard and, you, you know, how you conduct yourself. Hmm. Yeah, no, that's very interesting. Um, uh, I have a question for you. Hit me. So, why... Like, what do you think is is happening with Thorfinn when he is beating the shit out of those other kids and breaking that one kid's arm? Like, well, what's going I on in his brain? A, I, did, I, I did have a thought on this. Um, 
and I should have brought up a second plot point. But anyway, okay. okay. So here's the thing, right? Here's the thing. We get two scenes of Thorfinn fighting the kids in a play fight. Uh, one before Floki's arrival, and one after when he's listened. And the distinction between those two is his behavior. When he dies, quote unquote, in the first one, he's done. Like he sits down, he lies mm-hmm. in the snow, he plays the plays by the rules. In the second one, after he realizes that there's actually a real war on the horizon that he, in at least his head, believes he can join or get into, the rule set playing stops. He doesn't stop fighting, or probably would not stop fighting until he was literally dead right there and then. Thorfinn, believe it or not, of all the characters we meet apart from Thor's himself, who I'm referring specifically to the male characters who are getting involved mm-hmm. in this whole war, you know, romanticism. He's probably got the right idea more than any of them about how to approach war, which is that it's, you know, a question of survival, fighting to the last end, fighting till you breathe your last breath. And I'm not saying this is a good thing, by the way. He's a fucking six-year-old kid, but he probably has the most mature understanding of war of any of them, which is that the rules don't matter. Mm. You fight until you win, and you fight until, you know, you're the last man standing. And I think that's the distinction there between that, that now he's fully trying to embrace the idea of being that kind of warrior mm. rather than operating on all this naivete that all the others have. Which, again, when a six-year-old kid is the one person in this <laughs> entire village apart from Force who has the best handle on warfare, the fuck does that say? <laughs> but it also, again, speaks back to the nature-nurture thing I suggested, which is that, you know, is Forfin now, you know, similarly awakening in that kind of warrior himself where he will just, you know callously and cruelly just break a child's arm because it's war and there are no rules in war yeah that's a really cool distinction um and one i didn't think about i think my mind was kind of going to where big bang's hurt was that like he he was trying to really push himself because he just found out his father was a hero the troll the warrior mm. and i war think that plays coming. a part certainly I, uh-huh uh, I also think he's like I would like to think he's like confused you know like that he is I don't know maybe I'm attributing more kind of teenageness and angstness to him but like um, just things I was thinking about is like again I think I mentioned this earlier but like having having that man as your dad who everyone says is a hero but he's not excited about war at all like why not and like why didn't you tell me you were a warrior like kind of just a lot of it seems like there's going to be some conflict that he's getting out on the battlefield just by on other people on the battlefield on the play battlefield uh, by you know via aggression and just hurting people um Hmm. Well, let me let me just fire back a question to you then, Doc, because you're more equipped to answer this than I am. Uh, you yourself are a father, I believe. Am I? <laughs> you believe? You know, I yes, correct. <laughs> so, from your perspective as a father, and this might be a bit personal, so if you don't want to answer, don't bother. That's fine. But do you think there is a way one can explain the situation that falls is into a son of his age and have it soak sink in rather than being disregarded out of hand? Is there any way we can truly, you know, elaborate that to a someone as young as him and impressionable as him that that war how awful war is yeah um i don't think it's i I don't think it's fully possible uh because they're you know their brains are still developing and growing um i don't think that they're gonna be able to have the 
fully fleshed out concepts of it that we do. Um, but I think, especially at the end, you know, Thor's was doing the right things, you know, telling him that these weapons are not toys, that they're instruments of war, and look, they make me bleed. Um, and you don't, and there's no reason for anyone to kill or fight anyone. Um, I think that certainly he could have done a better job before now, but, uh, you know, that's him. I mean, I guess he was just kind of lax and not thinking like, well, Hey, they're never going to find me. We'll never have to talk about this. This is a part of my past I can leave behind, but you're going to say, why still keep the chest of weapons, right? Exactly. And Um, I think that maybe, you know, Fawz is by doing that is accepting that there may always be a potential for conflict, but it's a question of being vigilant for it and not seeking it out mm -hmm. rather than the agenda that the Vikings have, which is, Oh, some random woman got murdered on bath time on Sunday or Saturday morning, you know, before she got to watch Antiques Roadshow. Uh, let's go to war and kill them all. You know, completely stain England with blood because of one thing. And by the way, I'm not just saying, by the way, that there's never a time for retribution or reprisal when things like that happen. Right. Uh, but, well, Floki himself said that it was an excuse. So, while of course, Emily, you might find the idea of trusting a man named Floki as far as what he says a bit suspect... You know, I think we could take it on face value that he's probably got an accurate appraisal of how the king feels, actually. I just wanted to, you know, I just wanted to pillage England all all the time, and now I've got a reason to. Hell yeah! Mm -hmm. An interesting, jumping uh, to an earlier scene, um, an interesting part that I really, I really liked was when, uh, gosh, what was the boy's name? Was it Faki uh, that got killed before uh, Thorfinn did in the first game? He was lying on I the think ground. Something like mm-hmm. I know the one you're referring to, though. Yeah, yeah. So he's lying on the ground with this boy, and who's and the boy is talking about Valhalla. Um, this, by the way, opens up a whole other can of worms. How like religion being used to like further the agenda, right, of of war. Um, and anyone ever heard of the crusade right right yeah or like i mean just all kind there's all kinds of instances in in all kinds of religions of um you know motivating particularly men to violence um with these sort of uh rewards in the afterlife and or even here now right just religious rewards um and so the the kid is like Valhalla. I, I it's gonna be so good. I get so much meat. You know, I get to it's one big banquet hall. Me and Odin and the Valkyries hanging out. Uh, it's it's the all you can eat buffet, yeah. and they've got plenty of shrimp going. <laughs> and uh, so Thorfinn is lying there and says like, uh, "It's not that simple. You have to like be a great warrior and die in battle." And that makes him think like about his sister and his mom, like. What about them? Um, what happens if they die in war? Like, doesn't give an answer. He, that he doesn't. Yeah, I mean, and there's other afterlife shenanigans in in Norse mythology, but I thought this was an interesting point of maybe like a seed planting in his mind about how uh, just the kind of shitty nature of war and, and unfairness. Um, even hmm. even looking at it through a religious prism, 
uh, you have like, wow, like the dudes who are warriors get all this good shit, but I really care about my mom and I really care about my sister. Like what's going to happen to them? Uh, and it moves on pretty quickly from that, but I really like that it took like a moment to kind of like reflect on that. The show did. That was super cool. Um, also, uh, Leaf, right? Uh, you'd think Leaf had seen some shit. Um, I guess he's seen, I guess he's really been on adventures. Maybe he hasn't really been a part of war, but he's, he seems to like, he's a sympathetic listening ear to Thor's, but he's not like, oh my God, guys, war is so bad. What are you doing? Maybe it's because he's an outsider and he doesn't feel it's his place. Um, but I found that to be also interesting that he didn't really, hmm. he wasn't out there beating the anti-war drum. No, he was sympathetic to his forces viewpoint, but ultimately offered no, uh, you know, backing up thereof. Mm-hmm. So anyway, but yeah, uh, I am otherwise out of talking points thus far for this episode, but, uh, fucking woo. That's a lot to think about. And we're only two in mm-hmm. like, Jesus. Do you have any more you want to add, Doc? No, that's all. I think that's all that I have. Um, I will elaborate on on one really quickly and say that um, I... So, speaking about consequences of the Jorm's Vikings coming up and conscripting Thor's consequences for murder, I... I don't know if this entirely pokes a hole in my theory or I just want to reinterpret the first one. You know, Halfdan coming to collect his slave, you know, like I'm glad that that man died before Halfdan <laughs> collected him. Um, and that he, yeah, I guess, I guess like he was saved because he passed away before he had to go back and he got the wonderful kind of idyllic, uh, uh, vision put, the put in his se- head. The Lenny send off of mice and men. Mm, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, Think of the rabbits in the farm, George. Yeah, that's the same thing. Yeah, I mean, maybe these are like, a, a, but I don't want to. It's like ah, oh, he's the consequences were coming for the slave because I mean it's a good thing that he left, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe these are like, I don't know. There's definitely a distinction to be made there, and I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to say the wrong thing and, and equate yeah. these two things that don't need to be equated. Um, yeah. Well, the thing to know about consequences you describe them though is that that doesn't necessarily mean that they are that there is the consequences for either of them are justified. Yep. Like yes. mm-hmm. the people coming after them, both Half Dan and Floki, as I've said, both clearly have their own like you know entirely selfish, entirely reprehensible agendas. Yeah. Consequences is, as a term in this case it's just a neutral thing it's just right. a reaction to something that happened yeah. uh, previously not a cosmic you know, yeah yeah but yeah but it doesn't mean that that endorses such consequences yeah no plumbo's totally right yeah that is that's absolutely uh what happened mm-hmm. um i just did not want Indeed. to give the wrong impression but yeah thor's uh really heroic kind of super ethical uh, principled action uh, is what is what did that and stopped mm. the uh, what would have been extremely unjust uh, you know situation befalling that man and 
I guess I guess the fact that there's no one there to trade sheep for Thors uh maybe is a <laughs> is a way to differentiate them like there's there's no one to save Thors, you know. He's got to he's got to pay for uh what he has done in his past life, maybe. Um but we'll see. We'll see. Uh okay. Uh do you want to rate the episode? I certainly do. I certainly do. So again, like we're only two episodes at this point, but I am genuinely quite taken aback by how strong and how well delivered the anti war messages in this show when war hasn't even really happened mm-hmm. yet. Like I've seen anti war messages in a lot of other shows elsewhere that we've covered, like say for example Vacross. But mm-hmm. actually articulating even before it happens is even though in the same vein the show shows how useful that can sometimes be, especially with young impression people, but articulating as well as it does this early on is a real accomplishment. And the show, again, continues to do great stuff with editing and storyboarding. Um, You've got, like, you know, again, the visual metaphor of Thor's showing how scarred he is when he's hammering the iron, that being the metaphor then for, you know, him not being able to, you know, escape his nature, that he is always been a warrior and always will be whether he believes it or not whether he's in self-denial uh the framing i mentioned of the opening scene and how that you know shows the ugliness of actual conflicts and and wars and just the plain slaughter of it versus then the contrast later of the children having their very organized very rule-driven game uh, even little things like when falls is talking with um floki and then floki makes his uh, ultimatum a little ember you know jumps out of it and jumps into Thor's mead, which he drinks, like, yeah. kind of symbolizing so his cool. acceptance of the of the fires of war that are mm-hmm. coming, that he's going to have to, you know, undergo that and throw himself into those flames once again, as much as he otherwise would not like to. And I, I'm, I'm just genuinely blown away. So without really much, hes- if any, hesitation, uh, I will happily give this episode five out of five Viking Ooh. longbows. Absolute masterpiece of, of solid storytelling, solid anti-war message, uh, great framing. Uh, the character behavior in the drama is exceptional. As you said, that scene between him and Thor's and Thorfinn, you know, when he's trying to explain about, you know, he just immediately demolishes the idea of, you know, a fetishism for war itself. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the enemy, quote unquote, a lesson that we can all still agree with is relevant even today. I can think of no real flaws with this episode whatsoever. It nailed it, hit it out of the park for me. The only thing I am worried about, the only thing, and this is going to something that's going to have to be proved out, is that I don't want it to turn out that Floki was just tricking Thor's into leaving the village. I want it to turn out that the actual call to war was genuine. Right. Otherwise, that then under that then undercuts what's going on here. That you know, mm-hmm. suddenly Thor's was never actually in danger of being brought back into war by the consequences of the past. It was just mm-hmm. a gambit game out there so he could be assassinated. I want that still have been a genuine offer, even if it, then nothing comes of it. Big but that's me. all I have yes, to say yeah. that could potentially go against this episode. Otherwise, absolutely immaculate from start to finish. Awesome. Well, uh, this is going to be a rare moment. Uh, oh man <laughs> oh man um and, and not because you want to go... not because i have right, that's uh... it that's it <laughs> that's it right that's going in the charity pot folks five pounds for the rare moment when doc actually rates something <laughs> lower than me holy shit i know i know well like 
Uh, the, question, the question now is the degree of which you're going to do that. So, uh, you know, n- n- drop, not, drop me some drop me some hot figures, motherfucker. Okay, not, not 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 by much, right? I mean, because I don't really have any major problems with the episode. I mean, I think it's pretty technically proficient. Uh, we talked about thematically; it's you know just a heavyweight puncher. Um, it is. Uh, we got the character building stuff. Um, it's it's really great. I, I just think. Um, emotionally, I'm not, I'm not to the five out of five yet. It hasn't like really put its talons in me. Uh, it hasn't well, like it's entirely okay for you to be wrong. Yeah, you, I know. You, I know. Just carry on. It's not like, <laughs> I kid, I kid, I kid, I kid, I kid. <laughs> it's not like wowing me deeply, but, but I am going to give it, um, four and a half, uh, out of oh, five. Do you mean, sorry. Five point four. I think it's wrong way around. <laughs> no, I had to draw it backwards. So this is me, me uh, writing four point five backwards. Uh, uh, leaky metal bowls out of five. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Uh, right. Uh, before we wrap up, I'm going to very quickly uh, just revisit the polls I put up. Uh, links to him are in the chat. Uh, but do feel free to check out our Twitter account as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, two serious ones this week. I didn't really think of any jokey ones because I think I all jokes out in the cast. Unless you know, I want to pop up another one saying, you know, did which which forum did Four's frequent? Was it Four or Eight Chan? Presuming it was Four. Uh, I I have one. How about Four's which, Chan? How about, God damn it! God damn it! Uh, I would I would do a poll that was just nature or nurture. I think I've already <laughs> covered down the polls as it happens. Oh, okay, week. okay. I've I, I've right. already covered that. Hit me. Anyway, so uh, first poll, uh, Vinland Saga, episode two, poll one. Is Fors making the right decision to go to war at Floki's request in order to save the village? Thirty-three percent say yes, and sixty-seven percent say no thus far. That he's making a mistake. Uh, a sentiment I would lean towards agreeing with, but um, well, I think he's in the ultimate catch twenty-two here. Really, mm-hmm. like the alternative is just to let them try and slaughter his village. But anyway, anyway. Uh, and then the next one, uh, Vinland Saga, episode two, poll number two. Can those who have returned from war ever truly escape its effects? Can history be truly left behind? And we currently have a clean sweep here. One hundred percent say no. Okay. No, flat out no. Don't happen. Period. There'll always be that little bit that sticks with you after mm. the facts. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So yeah, uh, thank you very much for uh, taking part in the polls thus far. Those who have done so, feel free to uh, have a look at them if you've not. Uh, they will be up for the next week, so drop your thoughts in on those. Uh, where can people find you, Mr. Don, if they want to uh, hang out with you and talk about Vinland Saga and other things? Well, you can find me at the local mead hall, working my way through the next set of honey mead. You know, I mean, that real rose suckling pick. No, I'm kidding, of course. No mead halls, unfortunately, in Manchester that I know of. Uh, although I will certainly be doing some research into that soon. Uh, but in the meantime, until I find that place, you can, of course, find me at Shaden1010 on Twitter. Uh, feel free to follow me, ask me any hot deets or hot you know, bants you want to give my way. Yes. Um, but of course, if you do want to talk to me directly, uh, you can always, of course, become a patron and therefore join us in Discord where you can just ask me anything you want in more real-time fashion. Uh, and of course, I guess you plenty of other benefits as well, such as more access to content, including our ongoing uh, stream of thoughts, uh, or second stream as we've called mm-hmm, it, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, on Given, uh, yes. which so far is looking also to be really, really good this season. Uh, so yeah, um, that's certainly one way you can do it. But as always, my Twitter is always open. 
You're welcome, Sophie. It was our pleasure. Um, yeah, uh, you can find me on Twitter at the Subtle Doctor, and as Shadon said, you can if you want to support us and also get access to more content that we're doing. Um, and Vorgalia will soon be joining us uh, in doing both on the free side and on the pay- behind the paywall. You can uh, subscribe over at uh, patreon.com slash waruideshou, W-A-R-U-I-D-E-S-H-O-U. That's our Twitter handle, and if you search for us on Google, you'll find us on anything. Uh, you know, Please uh, rate, subscribe, follow, all that jazz. That all helps us mm-hmm. tremendously. Um, and this week, for additional content we've got coming up, um, I am going to be dropping uh, a solo... Uh, not quite essay, but I don't know what to call it because I'm not like fully writing a script, but I am. I have a, a detailed outline that I'm going to be going off of to talk about a comic I've just gotten into called The Radioactive Spider-Gwen. And uh, got some thoughts on the first set of issues, uh, Volume Zero, um, which is collects uh, the first set of issues from that series. And we've, as Shadon said, we've got our second podcast on the anime uh given uh you can come into our discord uh, if you're a patron and talk to us about that stuff you can ask us questions about vinland saga or given that we will have to answer no matter how ridiculous uh or or no matter how much research it takes we'll have to give a detailed answer on stream um can ask us whose heart falls off loki (laughs) exactly yes I would, I would, I would love a kind of that kind of question. That's the kind of content I crave as a listener. So, um, but yeah, uh, thank you so much, folks out there that are uh, patrons. We do appreciate it so much. Like Shadon said, it, it floored me. Indeed, thank you. Um, thank and, you. And for, and I know there's plenty of people that still listen that are not, and you're valid. God damn it, and we love you too. <laughs> so it's much. True. It's absolutely true. So, uh, thanks everybody for hanging out. Thank you, uh, folks in the chat, for making it fun as usual. Um, Shadon, thank you. This has been uh, a real uh, pleasure, as it always is. And likewise, see you, my friend. And everyone out there, as we say every week, and we truly do mean, embrace each other, everyone, to the ends of the universe. Good night. (laughs) 